This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Kathy Burns, CEO of the International Fresh Produce Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with IFPA's Kathy Burns, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net, providing individualized protection on more than 445 million acres of farmland Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic, a union of the United Fresh Produce Association and the Produce Marketing Association, yielded the International Fresh Produce Association. CEO Kathy Burns says the group represents a diverse global organization, including nearly every aspect of the fruit, vegetable, and floral supply chain. The group is preparing for their conference in Washington later this month. Burns says IFPA maintains a global perspective on issues. If you think about topics such as food safety or creating demand for fruits and vegetables across the globe, those, you know, food safety has no borders. Creating demand for our incredible nutritious fruits and vegetables have no borders. Uh, nutrition has no borders. So if you think about topics that transcend the globe, it's really important for our membership and, quite frankly, for the health of the world that we continue to advocate for those products and remove all barriers that ultimately drive consumption of our products. Obviously, we're very active as it relates to advocacy here in D.C. with both uh, Congress and, and the administration, which is critically important for the members, not only in the U.S., but if you think about what happens on, on the global uh, landscape as it relates to trade and, as I mentioned, food safety, nutrition, all of those topics are, are really close in mind and very, very important to ultimately driving consumption of our products. Let's look to the consumer. Are, uh, what, common, what, yeah. what common denominators are there among consumers in the U.S. and Europe and Asia, and how are perhaps some regions different? Everything starts with the consumer. And if I think about the needs of the consumer, let's take nutrition, for example. I mean, we face an obesity epidemic around the world, and certainly the COVID pandemic has only exacerbated that. Those individuals who are obese are at a triple the risk of hospitalization and at a higher risk for death. And if you think about outside of the threat of COVID, diet-related diseases, uh, including type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, kill nearly 700,000 individuals and cost the domestic health care system approximately $50 billion annually. And again, those types of challenges are, are global for sure. So as we look at uh, the solution to uh, a, a big part of the solution for the obesity epidemic and certainly what we have faced with as it relates to nutrition, eating more fruits and vegetables, is an important component to improving individuals' health. So regardless of what country you're in, that is a very, very common theme, and we need to continue to look for barriers that we remove by country to ensure that people have access to fruits and vegetables 365 days of the year. So how did COVID 
affect your members and the consumers that you serve? Are things back to normal or are we still in search of a new normal? Obviously, COVID had impact. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we represent the full supply chain. So if you look at the impact that it certainly had on our food service industry and the food service sector, I mean, for the first many, many months of COVID, that uh, that segment of the industry was decimated. They are rebuilding. They are continuing to rebuild and certainly not out of the woods yet. You know, up to 30% of the restaurants that were operating pre-COVID, especially in the independent space, have since shuttered. So I would say the food service industry in particular is continuing to rebuild. Grocery, retail, uh, the industry that I uh, come from uh, originally prior to being in this role, uh, certainly saw a, a nice increase in, um, in their sales uh, as people shifted from uh, out-of-home dining to, to in-home meals. Um, and I would say that the, the fresh fruit and vegetable industry stood tall uh, during, that, uh, during that experience. Um, I mean, we deal with Mother Nature every day. We do deal with supply chain issues every day. Certainly, they were more extreme during the COVID uh, epidemic, but really focused on ensuring that we could get product uh, to the people that they that needed it um, in order to continue to support their, their healthy eating. Um, the other thing that, that our industry was certainly very involved in uh, was uh, produce boxes, food boxes, uh, things that certainly the government ended up um, subsidizing to be able to get fresh fruits and vegetables into the hands of people that needed it uh, most, especially when schools weren't in session and people just needed access to healthy food. And, and we worked very hard. Our industry worked very hard and was a great partner, I would say, ensuring the execution of those programs uh, across the U.S. So is there a new normal well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, as you look at how things uh, settle out, I would say we continue to still be faced with some pretty significant headwinds. If you think about what's happening with inflation, uh, labor challenges, supply chain uh, shutdowns, transportation complications, uh, there are significant uh, headwinds that still are, are facing our industry. So as we look to overcome those, I'm not sure I would call it a new normal. If you think about business planning and how do you plan for the next long-term position of your business, it's certainly more volatile. And so our industry, I would say generally, uh, continues to be uh, a challenge in terms of how do, we, how do we predict what's going to happen, especially as, as it relates to the changing consumer needs and Mother Nature herself. But as we continue to look at driving demand and consumption of our products, that's when we will continue to, to get a, a little bit of a new normal, I would call it. At the end of the day, driving consumption of fruits and vegetables uh, is still significantly below where it needs to be. And we'll get to a new normal when people are eating five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. From a supply and demand standpoint from the marketplace, I'm curious, if everyone in the U.S. got on board and was eating the proper amount of fruits and vegetables, could your industry meet the demand? Absolutely. This issue is not an, ind- an issue of quantity or availability. We could meet the demand. I am very confident of that. The issue is that we need to ensure that the demand is there. And by ensuring that consumers have the, the curiosity and the interest and the drive to eat our products and prepare them in ways that um, will continue to, to satisfy their own palate, 
um, at the same time, making sure that we have the infrastructure and support systems, governmental support systems, quite frankly, at the nutritional level uh, to ultimately create the demand for our products. It, it's not an issue of production. It's an issue of ensuring that the demand is there and the pull is there. And I'm, I'm very confident that our industry could answer that call. So you have a conference coming up in Washington at the end of the month. I would ask right now, if you could, could you just list some of the topics that are top of mind for the members that will attend? For sure. We're very excited for our Washington conference. As you mentioned, that's happening in Washington at the end of September. Ironically, it is the exact same week as the White House conference on food, nutrition, and hunger. So produce and nutrition are coming to Washington the last week of, of uh, September. I would say four areas, Jeff, in particular that we have our eye on. Nutrition being one, farm bill being the second, food safety, and immigration and labor. If you're thinking about what's on top of mind for our industry, there will be other topics clearly that we'll cover but I would say those are the top four. So Congress is slated to write a new farm bill next year. Which titles are the most important to the specialty crop industry, and, and what would you hope for in a proposed 23 piece of legislation? Yeah, so if I think about our, our industry broadly, I mean, specialty crop production in the U.S. accounts for $66 billion in farm gate value, and that translates into about 33% of all farm crop cash receipts. And if I think about our industry, primarily, obviously, fresh fruits and vegetables, we've gone through tremendous change to satisfy consumer demand. We've certainly adapted to new technologies, and uh, we're competing in an increasingly global marketplace. So at IFPA, we raise the importance of specialty crops, not simply as one more sector of the agriculture economy, but an important source of food for every single American. So for us, as it relates to the Farm Bill, it represents the single largest federal investment in the fresh produce industry, $3 billion from the 2018 Farm Bill. So we are specifically focused on five areas, I would say, targeted research funding, expanding export opportunities. We want access to fresh produce in federal nutrition programs, certainly looking to eliminate pests and disease challenges, and focusing on conservation practices. So in terms of what we want to get out of those particular areas, the specialty crop industry is, is currently organized, working in earnest, and united in advocating for a, a common set of priorities, certainly as Congress prepares to reauthorize this farm bill before it expires in 2023. I would. Uh, it is forecasted that uh, by the end of September, early October, we will have our priorities in line uh, and we'll be ready to share those so some have the idea that sustainability uh conservation will carry a much larger weight in writing of this new policy something that cover crops are the answer and that's the answer for everyone from a sustainability standpoint what role would your industry offer to those who have a, a a more telescopic approach to 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 sustainability on farms Obviously, our products are probably the most sustainable on the planet. Uh, and if you think about the impact of, of our sustainability efforts, it's one of our strateg- seven strategic uh, focus areas. We're very active in the sustainability space. As you know, Jeff, sustainability means a lot of things to a lot of people <laughs> in terms of how they define it. But in, co- in conjunction with our membership, we're looking at areas 
where we can be more effective, more efficient, leverage technology to ultimately be more sustainable. Um, but one of the best uh, one of the best ways for us to improve as a nation in sustainability is for people to eat more fruits and vegetables uh, because it is such a sustainable crop. And obviously, we're looking for ways to continue to be even more sustainable going forward. So as we can uncover issues that are so important at the farm level, all of those inputs, Quite frankly, water, labor, technology, uh, we're looking for ways to leverage those at scale as we move forward. Um, and it certainly is a conversation as we are in our farm bill discussions as well. In the area of research, um, I had a conversation recently with Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, and in fact, we were at the Farm Progress Show, and we're surrounded mm-hmm. by technology. And, and I'm, I'm mused to the sure. secretary that, you know, we're standing in the midst of what is the next generation of agriculture, uh, new traits for crops, uh, crop pro- uh, protection products and machines and artificial intelligence and the rest. And I ask, is there a regulatory environment in the U.S. that will allow these new products to become available for producers? And I ask that in the light that now there are so many products, especially in your industry, that are under review and mm-hmm. tools that are being taken away from producers that help them be both sustainable and productive. Do you face a headwind there? Obviously, we want to be able to introduce new tools that ultimately produce safe, nutritious, consistent fruits and vegetables uh, around the world, and certainly in the U.S. as well. And I think the opportunity to collaborate uh, with the administration or with the services that support those products are really important because we need to understand what's happening at the farm level, the tools that people need in order to produce uh, products that are safe and efficient consistently, I think will be, is always top of mind for us. And new technologies are coming out every day, as you mentioned, Jeff. We need to be able to ensure that, um, you know, that people kind of keep up with the times, quite frankly, and make sure that any ways that we can take costs out of the system to ensure that our product is even more safe, ultimately to, to reduce um, the overall cost to the consumer. I mean, look at the headwinds we're facing right now with inflation and everything that all the input costs continue to skyrocket. And we need to continue to way to optimize that at the farm level. But at the same time, it's real. Inflation is real. And the, and the, these costs that farmers are experiencing are real. And we need to be able to, uh, over time, that's the beauty of the International Fresh Produce Association is we represent the whole supply chain. So we can convene all parts of the supply chain together to develop solutions to the industry's most pressing challenges. Certainly labor is, food safety is, <laughs> nutrition uh, is, and those are really big topics that will set us up for the future for generations to come. So you mentioned your conference is coming uh, on, the, uh, on the eve of the nutrition um, meeting by the White House. What are the points that you hope the nutrition, uh, the health and nutrition conference brings up that your industry is ready to face and perhaps already has answers for? Yeah, so the White House conference on food, nutrition, and hunger, I think it really holds potential to drive a revolutionary and government-wide approach to really unlock nutrition security. You know, eight of ten healthcare dollars in our country are spent on preventable chronic diseases. 
Well, at the same time, nine out of ten Americans, as I mentioned earlier, don't meet the dietary guideline recommendations for fruits and vegetable consumption. So a critical goal must be to drive access and eliminate barriers to fruits and vegetables to ensure every American meets the dietary guidelines for fruit and vegetable consumption. So a few options that we believe the conference can help, uh, implementing a federal strategy for produce prescriptions within the current, within the healthcare system. Embedding a fruit and vegetable benefit within the supplementary, uh, supplemental nutrition assistance program, obviously known as SNAP. And ensuring transparent and non-deceptive labeling through the Food and Drug Administration. So we put our fruit and vegetable moonshot um, in front of the administration. It's an eight-point plan. We have eight moonshots, which we believe collectively can increase access and consumption for the majority of Americans by 2030. So we're covering everything from schools to USDA procurement reform to labeling to uh, our number one recommendation, which I just mentioned, which is produce prescriptions. So it's going to take some political will for sure, but we're excited that our industry will be in town the same week as the conference, and we'll be taking that message of urgency to, to the Hill. So two pieces of policy, the SNAP program and the child nutrition program, could be a vehicle to change. 100%. We believe that embedding a, a supplemental uh, fruit and vegetable benefit, the overlay on the SNAP program is um, is significant, very similar to what happened with uh, WIC and was very successful both in changing consumption behavior, consumption and behaviors uh, for for our youngest and their families. Uh, we are very, very bullish on that. Uh, as I mentioned, the produce prescription program can be a game changer. Um, in terms of really tending to the health of the nation and prescribing produce as a prescription <clears throat> uh, as opposed to, to medication. And you mentioned the Child Nutrition Act. I agree. Uh, the House is considering passing the reauthorization of the Child Nutrition Act, and this law hasn't been updated since 2010. And it regulates school lunch and school breakfast along with the WIC uh, WIC program and the fresh produce industry has successfully used this important law to increase fresh fruits and vegetables in, in key nutrition programs that the USDA operates. So we are very supportive of uh, moving that act forward. One of the issues that you mentioned in priority was labor, and I feel like that has uh, two prongs. Mm-hmm. First of all, available labor for farmers, for workers in the fields but also workers at the processing facilities that uh, that take the product and make it available for the consumer. Uh, how is the challenge from either of these areas, and, and what's the call on Washington to address this issue? Because it doesn't look like it will be seen uh, this year, and the question would be, will it be seen before the next presidential election? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's no secret that the fresh produce industry depends heavily on a skilled workforce. You know, at our peak season, an estimated 2.7 million workers are needed in agriculture to ensure that our products are delivered uh, and reach consumers uh, 365 days of the year. At least 50% of these workers are undocumented or have false documents. Um, and despite this disconnect, Congress has not reformed our country's immigration system since 1986. That was under President Ronald Reagan. So for years, the fresh produce industry and certainly our partners in the agriculture sector have 
I believe, made an overwhelming case for legislation to reform our broken immigration system and ultimately help us build a legal and reliable workforce. You know, maybe I'm a little more positive, Jeff. Uh, Today, I think we're closer than ever to real reform of our nation's immigration system. Most importantly, the H-2A Agricultural Guest Worker Program. The House, for the first time since 1986, twice passed bipartisan agriculture guest worker legislation in the form of the Farm Worker Modernization Act, and it passed with strong bipartisan support. Um, I think 30 Republicans, I know 30 Republicans voted yes. So now a bipartisan working group of senators led by Bennett and Crapo um, are working on a companion legislation, and it appears, it appears close to agreement on the Senate version of this bill. So where do we get the 60 votes to pass? Uh, most likely the math is to hold the Democrats together and get 10 Republicans to join them. Um, and if you recall, 12 Senate Republicans voted on a similar bill in 2013. So we see support for reform growing, actually, as Americans have concern about food security and rising food prices. And uh, as we've seen recent, the recent study by Texas A&M, we know there's a direct correlation between the lack of immigration reform and the recent rise in food prices. So an inefficient, unreliable workforce leads to higher prices and ultimately less availability options for consumers. One last point, just because I saw a recent poll commissioned by the National Immigration Reform and, and Americans for Prosperity, 77% of Americans said yes when they were asked if they want Republicans and Democrats working together this year on reforms that could help lower food prices by ensuring a legal, reliable workforce for American farmers. And 70% supported Republicans and Democrats working together this year on improving legal immigration options that could address labor shortages and reduce pressures at the border. So industry wants it. Americans uh, are saying, look, we need, we get that you need a consistent, reliable workforce in order for to keep your prices down. Um Again, it's it's time to act. Well, Kathy Burns, we want to thank you for taking time from an awfully busy schedule, especially in preparation for your Washington conference coming up to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic and previewing some of the topics that hopefully we'll be hearing more about in days and in weeks to come. Uh, we thank you for being our guest and offer you the same opportunity as tradition with Open Mic today. Kathy, you've got the last word. Thank you so much, Jeff. Fresh produce improves lives period. But people just aren't eating enough of it. And our job at the International Fresh Produce Association is to clear a pathway for more produce in people's lives from cultivating personal curiosity to advocating public policy. We are committed to increasing access to fruits and vegetables and ensuring they are safe, nutritious, and cost-effective to grow and to buy. So, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for the conversation, which is incredibly timely as we look ahead at both the opportunities and challenges facing our industry. Look, agribusiness has never been characterized by certainty, but with almost all industries dealing with some forms of significant disruption, the future requires our industry leadership. Changing climate patterns are upending all of our assumptions about what we can grow, where we can grow it, and how we grow it. Geopolitical environments and financial markets are tenuous, and already significant business hurdles like labor challenges, supply chain slowdowns, and transportation complications have all made long-term business planning more volatile. 
policymakers and regulatory bodies are under an incredible amount of pressure from increasingly divided interests to tackle some big issues like climate, labor, and nutritional security. So against all that as a backdrop, the fresh produce industry offers solutions to almost every major global health and economic challenge. Produce as a prescription, for example, is not just a solution for improving public health. It's also a secret for vitality. We know that if we don't change the trajectory of our younger generation's eating habits, they will be the first to fail to outlive their parents. And our industry stands ready to collaborate with our allies and partners to ensure that doesn't happen. I appreciate the time today to share more about how produce and floral are here to grow a vibrant future, not just for our growers and our industry members, but for everyone. Our thanks to Kathy Byrne, CEO of the International Fresh Produce Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.